It's the first Prez Monday check-in. We'll have a chat, but not spill tea. Hey, it's the first Prez Monday check-in. We got the Bible and Greg and me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of the Monday check-in. I am Damon Jensen-Heitman, one of the pastors of First Presbyterian Church Hastings, Nebraska, joined by... Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska, on this, is it Palm Sunday week? Mm, I don't think that's a thing. The week in... That seems like an, that seems like an overstretch. We're an stretching overstretch. a little too far? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I Monday. love Palm Sunday. Can't <laughs> I have a whole week getting ready for it? Well, I will spend the whole week getting ready for it. So there. Mm-hmm. You've had four weeks already to get ready for it. Or five, five weeks. Yeah. How many more weeks do you need to get ready? Well, for I, I mean, uh, we'll be ready by Sunday. Yeah. One of the branches we have on the church calendar when the branches are supposed to arrive. On the 8th. So you could you gotta come in on the 8th and watch the branches arrive. Maybe. I'll be here. Won't I? I you're usually not. Oh, is it Friday? Friday, Friday the 8th. So. <laughs> I won't be here. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you don't love it that much then. Two years ago, <laughs> we had a Palm Sunday parade around town because it was the start of our COVID lockdown. Not start. I guess we were about two or three weeks into our COVID lockdown. Mm-hmm. And our parade processed from different locations in Hastings that were impacted by COVID. Hospital parking lot, school parking lot, industrial parking lot. Um, Yeah, some other places. I forget. Are you thinking of an industrial parking lot as different than like a a business? Commercial? Yeah. Uh, Commercial, industrial. Sure. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, someplace else. I forget. We'd have to go back and look, but nursing home. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, we did that. We did that two years ago. Last year, we had restarted in-person worship with a lot of precautions in place. Mm-hmm. I think we still waved palms, though. We did, but I don't. Nobody walked around. Just, just in your pew in spot. In your spot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, last year we were still setting bulletins in spots on pews to indicate where we wanted people to sit. In addition to the ropes, we had the ropes and the preset bulletins. Yeah, and today. So- Neither Damon or I are wearing masks. Actually, we've never worn a mask for the Monday check-in because we always do it in different spaces. Right. But we also used to do it in, in at entirely different addresses. It's true. It's true. Yeah, we were rotating who was sitting in the office and who was sitting at home. Mm-hmm. It's interesting reminiscing about all of that. But uh, yeah, we should probably get started on the Monday check-in. Yeah, so baloney gets a lot less, lot less screen time now. To which baloney has told me he's pretty disappointed. Well, she may have mentioned that to you. Yes, 
I just messed up the gender of Damon's cat. <laughs> is that a forgivable sin, Damon? I am not even sure that it's a sin, to be honest with you. I'm not entirely sure the name Baloney indicates gender, so I don't think I'm at fault here. But I mean, the degree to which any name designates gender is culturally defined. Indeed. So maybe it does indicate it and you just don't, you just are culturally inept enough to, and so you don't understand the, the context of it. I'm culturally inept because I didn't know that baloney indicated the gender of your cat was female. Yeah. Yeah, in the cat world. Yeah, that's pretty common, commonly accepted, I think. <laughs> so, um, well, I our... say that, so then the question is, is ineptitude a sin? And I, I don't think that I would say ineptitude would be a sin. I'm really glad to hear that I have not sinned in misgendering your cat. So there you go. There's some theoretical theology for folks. <laughs> why don't you tell us what the monday check-in is david so we can get started and stop uh, talking about theoretical theology because my brain is having more fun <laughs> thinking about that that's why uh but since you've requested it the monday check-in for those who don't know is uh we take a little bit of time and we do a little bit of a a preview we take a look at some of the scriptures that we're going to use for the upcoming sunday this upcoming sunday being palm sunday according to the liturgical calendar, commonly referred to as Palm Sunday. Uh, I guess you could also call it Triumphal Entry Sunday, if you were so inclined. And we do a little bit of a Bible study, take a look at those passages, talk about some of the themes that we see in them, uh, some of the questions that the, that the passages are maybe bringing up, questions that we have for the passage as well. And then we switch gears. We talk a little bit about the life of First Pres Hastings, and we start with a word of prayer. We do. And oftentimes, Damon and I pray extemporaneously, but for this season of Lent, we have been praying the prayers out of our Lenten devotional guide, What Shall We Take Up? A Lenten Focus on Christian Character. And uh, so I will read the prayer that was uh, written for Yesterday, which was Sunday, April 3rd, despite the uh, guide saying that it was Sunday, April 5th. Uh, and so let us join in a word of prayer. No, does it say that it was April 5th? It does. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? That's because the, the weeks are weird. Yeah, time in Lent is funny. Yeah, because tomorrow, we, which is like the, the the guide is designed to run like Wednesday to Tuesday. Correct. And Tuesday is the 5th. So my brain was like, oh, I looked at, oh, March 30th, April 5th. April 5th must be a Sunday. Just put it in there. It's all good. Yeah. We're not confused. We're okay, Damon. <laughs> I'm okay. You're okay. Everybody's okay. That's good. So let's uh, let's pray. And for those who are paying attention, this last the focus this last week was the notion of perseverance. So this this prayer will focus a bit on perseverance, and then we'll launch into the focus for this week uh, with the scriptures and our reflection, which will be humility. So let's uh, let's pray. It seems nothing can pull the hearts of people away from greed and malice. Still, I press on toward the goal. 
It feels as though nothing will cure our warring madness. Still, I press on toward the goal. The world may forever be drawn toward animosity and resentment. Still, I press on toward the goal. I press on toward love, even when it seems perpetually out of reach. I press on toward understanding, even when it seems I will never fully grasp it. I press on, as best I'm able, toward your gracious ends, even though your kingdom may not be fully known in my living. Be my light, O God, while I run this race. Amen. Amen. I, that's a beautifully written prayer. Did you write that one or did it Kylie? I wrote that one, yeah. Um, for those who caught our service yesterday, uh, part of what I preached on was Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, sermon. Uh, I've, I've been to the mountaintop sermon. And there's a, there's a cadence in this prayer that reminds me a bit of um, Martin Luther King's oratory. And I know that was unintentional, but I just, it, it connected for me uh, as mm -hmm. I read it. So thank you for that. Yeah, it, it, uh, I think that it was certainly, while you were reading it and while I was reading along while you were reading, it was certainly reminding me of that idea of perseverance in the faith um, so well espoused and lived by King and by lots of lots of lots of lots of other people. Um, and I, th I think that that connection was certainly like, conscious was not like a conscious connection but i think that there's a certain sort of um ethos i suppose that um i think was probably in that just kind of has been absorbed over time as we do you know as people of faith that i think was probably informing in in that prayer so yeah. Well, it's a well-written prayer. No, yeah. that's well, thank interesting. Thank you for that. Thanks. Mm -hmm. so, um, so, yeah, last week was perseverance, and uh, folks during the course of the week were encouraged to consider the various ways um, that God has helped to sustain them in, in moments of hardship or disappointment or difficulty. Or, or that sort of thing. And um, I'm finding that all of these characteristics really kind of inform one another. And I think that this idea of perseverance and this idea of being able to trust in God to sustain us through things, I think also connects to this, to the idea for this week, which is humility, right? And, and part of humility is, is recognizing that I can't sustain myself. I, I literally physically cannot sustain myself, right? Um, and there's a, a humility in that, in that process and recognizing I need sustenance from other sources physically. I need sustenance from other sources spiritually, um, mentally, emotionally, in all of those different ways and shapes and forms. And so I was just thinking about the, the connection between those two things. Yeah, I think acknowledging our dependence upon God to persevere is itself an act of humility, right? Because I'm admitting I can't do it on my own, uh, that yeah. I am dependent upon God and I am in need of Christ 
to persevere. And so certainly I think the the characteristics that we've studied during the season of Lent do sort of weave together into this, uh, well, into it. Yeah. 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 Just, and, and I think we could go and make similar connections to the various other character traits. Like each one, I don't even want to say that they build on each other, right? They're just kind of interlocking. They're more like puzzle pieces, right? Instead, it's not like building blocks, I don't think. It's more just like all these things kind of fit together um, and form a whole, I suppose. But yeah. Um, so this week we've got humility. We've got a couple of scripture readings. Uh, we, we're continuing to take a look at some of uh, the writings from the Apostle Paul. And we also have a passage from uh, the Gospel of Luke, Jesus' entry into Jerusalem uh, from the Gospel of Luke. So do you have a preference, Greg, which one I start with? No, we'll start with the, the passage from Philippians. It's, it, there's an interesting thing that's happened with the lectionary during the season of Lent. I've never preached focusing on the Pauline epistles during uh, Lent, and I, I've done that this year. Uh, and the lectionary assigns them in a certain order and they've assigned them in reverse order during Lent that I, I just realized this. So mm-hmm. the, the first Sunday I preached in Lent, uh, which was actually the second Sunday Lent because Kylie preached the first Sunday. Uh, it was the last half of Philippians three. And then this last Sunday, it was the first half of Philippians three. And now it's giving us Philippians two. And uh, the, the lectionary writers intentionally pair the, the epistle and the gospel together so they interplay with each other and so that's why they're having us read the epistles out of order so they kind of line up with what else is going on they do that as well generally with the psalm and the old testament reading too so there's some um connection or uh thematic uh tie together of the reading so that's why but it's just it's funny because it's having us read philippians backwards (laughs) yeah (laughs) yep yeah, and, and you can do that with Paul's writings because he's just kind of writing about everything all the time, so it's fine. Uh, so this is from Philippians, uh, starting at chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. Uh, it reads something like this. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. And that's how that little reading goes. Uh, And then from Luke chapter 19, starting at verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethpage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, 
why are you untying that colt? It's not yours, it's mine. Uh, just say this, the Lord needs it. So those, uh, so those who were sent departed and found it as he told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As, as he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all their deeds, for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. That's how that passage ends. Greg, what do you got? Hmm. There's a lot to unpack in, in both of these verses. Um, there was something I was noticing before we started recording. Just uh, the, the Palm Sunday account occurs in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But here in Luke, there's no palms. And so when we read the Luke account, we should call it Cloak Sunday because people take off their cloaks and throw it on the road in front of uh, the donkey instead of uh, palms. It's just kind of a... And then the other one is uh, we often associate Palm Sunday by shouting or singing Hosanna. And uh, the word Hosanna appears in Matthew, Mark, and John, but also not in Luke. So... Luke is a weird retelling of the same story that shares different details. Mm -hmm. Yep. So uh, what I'm hearing you say is that uh, no Palm Sunday this year. We're, we're calling it Cloak Sunday this year. <laughs> cloak Sunday. And we're going to invite people to bring their cloaks, which they will throw on the ground. You know, we got a closet full of jackets here. There we go. Coats. Who's doing the children's sermon on Sunday? Oh, that's a good question. Let's see. Uh, Jane Marsh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, of course. Um, I assume that you're, I mean, you have been focusing on the, on the Pauline epistles, right? Um, and maybe we'll, we can jump back to that one. There's a lot more details and things in the Luke passage uh it's um it tells a story that you can imagine and picture in your brain right uh the pauline stuff is is it's it's more it's theology it's that's not easily right um pictured and imagined um and the the humility in the luke passage you only understand it if you understand a little bit about the rest of the context of the world in which um, Jesus and his disciples lived because if you don't understand that it doesn't it doesn't really seem all that humble right it's, it seems like a parade if you don't understand what a cult is and if you don't understand like how Caesar would have ro rolled up into town and how the Roman empire would have rolled up into town. And um, that it's contrasting, it's a contrasting image, but we only have one of the images. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's actually a, 
sermon that I've preached on Palm Sunday before and may dust off portions of that in order to get to the core of the humility, which is present in this passage, which, as you said, is not immediately uh, obvious if you're not aware. But um, biblical scholars suggest that uh, because this would have been around the Passover feast and the Roman Empire was trying to assert itself uh, in Jerusalem militarily, uh, and so they know that all the Jews would be there for Passover, they would have come into town uh, one of the Roman leaders would have come into town in a military procession with stallions and chariots and uh, troops marching with their helmets glinting and swords and all that stuff, which is a stark contrast to uh, a young colt that's never been ridden. And you can imagine Jesus uh, on the back of that. And um, and also the, the, the two gates they would have been entering uh, for those who accompanied me to the Holy Land in October of 2019, um, the, the gates on the side of Jerusalem that are adjacent to the Mount of Olives would have been the gates around where the poor people were hanging out. These were not the gates uh, on the main road from Rome or from other major cities where there would have been Roman uh, troops. Uh, and so Jesus is choosing to come to the city of Jerusalem vis-a-vis -vis, uh, the poorer areas, uh, the areas where the outcast and the marginalized are living, uh, whereas the military procession is coming in a different direction in the main entry gate, which would have connected the road to the major Roman cities. And so there's a stark contrast here that you don't know unless you kind of know the context in which he was doing. But that contrast demonstrates that humility that uh, we're hopefully talking about this weekend and the humility that I think is very present in the Philippians passage. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, what you're describing connects really well with the Philippians passage. There's this other aspect of humility that I, I wrote about in the devotional in this passage is just that the the taking off your cloak and laying it on the ground so that whoever's walking doesn't like, so that their feet don't touch the ground <laughs> um and i think i as part of the devotional i was like can, who would you do this for who do you think is so great and grand and wonderful that their feet shouldn't even touch the ground I, you know I could nobody I can't <laughs> you know and so to act to act that out um as as a sign of humility that honestly I don't really quite understand yeah is that like, I don't the degree of it I don't really understand the palm branches oh sure okay yeah I'll put a palm branch down for somebody so my my coat, somebody else walk on my coat just so that their feet don't touch the ground. Who do they think they are? Yeah. <laughs> so, and so there's a humbling of themselves before Christ. Right. Right. Uh, and and what Paul is saying is that we're supposed to humble ourselves as Christ humbled himself. right? Who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, 
taking the form of a slave or a servant, being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient, even to the point of death, death on the cross. Um, and so Christ has so humbled himself that we are called to humble ourselves. Uh, and then this, this hymn, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in, in heaven and on, on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess, um, which is a common refrain or a hymn that we find. And that's, that's what we're seeing the people do. They are, every knee is bending, every tongue confessing Jesus is Lord as the people, the, the, the marginalized people prepare to um, announce Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Yeah, and that, and it, and, you know, it, it ties in, of course, with the the ridiculousness, the ludicrousness of the idea that a divine being would assume um, um, a mortal form that that an eternal being would. Why would an eternal being ever willingly choose to take on a timely presence, right? And not just any mortal form, right? But a mortal form that models humility and compassion and kindness. It flips the entire structure of worldly power on its head and says that my strength is found in my weakness and my power is found in love and compassion and self-sacrifice up to and including my own sacrifice for the sake of humanity. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, it's in, so verse eight, he humbled himself and became obedient. Right? And we assume here obedient to the will of God. Right. Um, and which also connects to this idea of, of humility. Um, in, in theory, he could have uh, taken on this mortal form and then kind of run around and did whatever he wanted to do. Right? And we see this reflected in the passion narratives, right? Um, take, uh, take this cup of suffering from me, uh, but not my will, but your will be done. Right? Uh, so to, to humble ourselves to, to the point of obedience to God um, is is then another, not necessarily degree, but gives some specific context for the kind of humility that we're asked to live out. Right. Yeah, and it's not easy. Mm-mm. No, I mean, for starters, just being aware of the will of God is difficult enough. <laughs> right. Times, you know, discerning it for specific settings and situations is, is sometimes difficult enough. Um, and then and choosing to follow it. Yeah. Submitting ourselves to that. Well, once we, once we've discerned it and we realize that it's going to call us into directions that make us uncomfortable um, and might not lead to worldly power or worldly treasure and then submitting ourselves to that will so that we can indeed follow the way of Christ. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the, well, you might have to go uh, through the poor part of town. Well, why would I want to go through the poor part of town? Or, you know, <laughs> um, that, that sort of idea or question. Um, we've been with the confirmants, we've been talking about confirmation. And we're talking about baptism. 
and uh, we're talking about infant baptism and um, did a baptism recently and uh, the child cried during the baptism, which is not uncommon. And I had a worship professor say, you know, if, if any of us knew what, what we were agreeing to when we were baptized or what others were agreeing for us to. Agreeing to on our behalf. Yeah. You know, if we knew like the, like the real full extent of what being a disciple means when we were being baptized, she said, we all would have cried. So (laughs) a kid cries during baptism. That's, it honestly makes sense. Um, She said, but that sort of, you don't know what the path of faith is going to call you to do. Um, what uncomfortable situation or unknowable situation or situation of, of pain it's going to call you to enter into, even if that's just going and visiting someone in the hospital as their loved one is dying or, you know, these, these personal moments that we experience all the time that I think that we are called into as people of faith. Um, yeah, I, I, if any of us really knew what that call to be obedient to the will of God meant, um, we'd have pause, I think. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, and that's what Paul is saying to the church in Philippi and to us, right? Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Be willing to sacrifice yourself, take on the form of a servant, be born in human likeness, and humble yourself and become obedient to the point of death. And, and Paul is echoing Jesus, just like he did last week in the passage from Philippians, right? That the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And here he's echoing Jesus because Jesus in the gospel says that uh, if you want to follow me, you've got to humble yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Yeah. For the one who uh, was it the, to, to save your life, you have to lose it, and to lose it, you're yeah. right. Those who wish to keep their lives will lose them. Yeah. And so Paul Paul is doing what Paul does a lot, which is echo Christ with his own editorial emphasis, right? Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because Paul is also, he's, in, he's interpreting the faith to others and for others. I mean, he is, he's teaching. Right, and that's that's what teachers do, and he's uh, making it uh, culturally appropriate where it needs to be, and contextually appropriate um, where it needs to be, and that sort of thing. So, I assume that this um, so that therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. Um, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend. Does that have some sort of connection to the, to the kind of the Roman pantheon um, uh, of faith and of gods and uh, this name of Jesus is above all of these other names of gods that you, that you think that you know, or that you're surrounded by? That's likely what Paul was getting at here, right? 
I assume so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, the every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And again, that is a very dangerous and powerful statement to make in the context of Paul and the church in Philippi. Because they want you to confess that Caesar is Lord. And mm-hmm. saying the words Jesus is Lord um, is putting you at odds with the Roman Empire. Because the, the Roman structure and government had elevated Caesar to the level of deity and your call as a citizen of the state of Rome was to acknowledge that and so saying Jesus is Lord was a direct contradiction to saying Caesar is Lord and that's also part of what got Jesus in trouble right and that's where as we'll study next week in the passion narrative where Jesus gets in the hot water with Pontius Pilate and with King Herod um, is around uh, around that very issue. And so Paul is reasserting that as well. Um, so you, uh, you think he'll preach? I think there's something in there that will probably resonate on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think, Damon, your idea of dusting off the, the sermon that I preached, or at least portions of that that contrast the triumphal entry into Jerusalem is helpful to get at the heart of the humility that we see present in the Luke passage. Uh, and then that will more effectively tie it into the Philippians passage. So that's probably a direction the sermon's going, at least in my head right now. Mm-hmm. And if folks uh, would like to shape and influence that, then they uh, can come to Tuesday noon Bible study. And not only that, as they learned on Sunday, they, they can even shape and influence the hymns that might be sung the following week uh, if they come to Tuesday noon Bible study. So there's a plug for you. <laughs> yeah, assuming that uh, we get this posted sometime before Tuesday noon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that offer stands every week. That's the thing. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, well, should we switch gears? Probably might want to talk about what's going on in the life of our church. Okay. So as we've said, we do have um, You're doing that? Sunday coming up. What? Doing? What? Hmm? Huh? How much? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be quiet, man. All right. So we've got Palm Sunday this Sunday. Uh, we'll have two worship services, 830, which will be the Tuesday style service in the chapel. We'll not have a procession of palms. But uh, a similar message will be preached at both services. Uh, and that 8.30 service, as I said, is in the chapel. And then our 10.30 service is our Palm Sunday service. That will be in the sanctuary. We will have our youth choirs or our children's choirs processing in palms and singing and shouting Hosanna. And then uh, we'll have uh, our worship service. I think we've got Louis Eckhart is going to be playing some trumpet fanfares on our hymns. So that'll be great. We're also celebrating not one, not two, but three baptisms on Sunday. Uh, So we'll get to see Damon do another baptism again. Uh, And if those kids knew what was being agreed to on their behalf, they would cry out as well. So we'll see how that all goes. (laughs) Um, I like that, Damon. That's, uh, I think your, your, your sacramental theology professor was, was spot on with that. I agree. Yeah. Well, and I like also, it's a reminder that like, this is supposed to be something more than like a cute thing that we do with babies, you know? And like, there's something more here than just a a family photo 
and um, and a thing that we do because everyone else in the family was baptized, you know? So. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's this coming Sunday. And then the following week, not this week, not this Thursday, Friday, but the next Thursday, Friday, we'll just give you a preview is, is Holy week. Uh, we will have a Monday Thursday service at 7 PM on Holy week. And that will include an optional foot washing ritual and communion. Uh, we will also have a Good Friday service at 7 p.m. Uh, on Holy Week. And then Easter Sunday, uh, we're going to do two services in the sanctuary, and they will have the same music and same message and same liturgy and same sermon. Our idea was just to offer two options for folks uh, to hopefully have slightly less crowding and maybe a little bit more distancing, if possible, if people wanted that. Um, normally we do just, we sometimes do an Easter sunrise service, but then we do one consolidated service on Sunday mornings. We've decided on two. So an eight 30 and a 10 30 Easter Sunday service. And that's, uh, that's that. And, uh, Wednesday night live continues as usual this week and next, uh, with all of those, uh, plans in place. I can tell you Sunday morning forum uh, this coming Sunday will be the last in Dan Deffenbaugh's forum series, taking a look at the Holy Week narratives, risking, risking the passion, um, I think is what we've called it. It's based on a book by Amy Jill Levine. Um, so, so that's going to wrap up on this coming Sunday. We have recorded Almost every, well, that's not, we have recorded every instance of this uh, series. One of those recordings, the audio was not really quality, high enough quality for us to be able to put it on the internet. So unfortunately, our rec recording of part three is not really usable. If somebody really wanted it, they could email the, reach out to the church and email, and I could share the file with them but with, and and you could figure out what was going on but uh we just can't really put it up on the internet so but part four from this last sunday is up on youtube so folks can find that and he'll wrap things up this coming sunday we'll take the week of easter off and then following easter dr dorothy dean who is a professor of religion at hastings college will lead a three-part series for us um taking a look at um some of the intersections between ecology and theology. So, uh, and some of the ways that the two, our understanding of one has informed our understanding or relationship uh, with the other and, and vice versa. So, uh, so those should be three really interesting forums and those are gonna start the week after, the Sunday after Easter. Anything else? I think we've covered it all. You wanna close us with prayer? I certainly can. Uh, so this is the prayer from the devotional guide uh, for Wednesday, April 6th. Is that a, that seems like a correct date. Indeed. So, uh, and the week focused on, on humility. So uh, let us pray. For you, O God, I lay down my cloak. For you as well, I lay down my pride, my arrogance, and my unnecessary self-inflation. For you, O God, I lay down my very self so that I may serve you. I humble myself in your presence so that your glory may be more fully known. Amen. Amen. 
with all those things then said and done until next time toodaloo